Welcome to the 10 for 10. I don't, I don't know. For the first time in my adult life, I put a human being on my Dunzo list, not counting my ex-wife. She can live there. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's been a weird day. Is there? Well, I'm sorry. That's okay. You probably missed last week's show, but he's also joining Gary from The Golden Bachelor. Gary from The, what is it, The Golden Bachelor? Oh, yeah, that guy from The Golden Bachelor, yeah. Because you've listened to the show and you know the you know that my heartfelt speech was about last week. He's the older guy from The Bachelor, yeah. In the in the old Bachelor, which is called the Golden Bachelor. Yes, correct. I, I think if you keep repeating the same thing, eventually you will throw me off the scent that you might not have listened to last week's show. No, no, the Golden Bachelor. He's like older, and then so they get the older ladies, and they're trying to get the ladies to like the guy because he's the Golden Bachelor, which is different than the normal Bachelor. So I'm a little older than you, so my, my dimension might be kicking in. Remind me, what was my rant about the Golden Bachelor last week? You were like, they're not old enough. <laughs> if I want to watch the Golden Bachelors, I want to see some of the greatest generation. And when I say the greatest generation, 98-year-olds finding love. That was a really interesting speech to you, and I'm glad that you wanted to see that happen. I I didn't know I was so passionate about... Hundred-year-olds finding love, but thank you. You're welcome. I I realize to those who can't see, we have discovered visual AI, and things got off the rails very quickly. So the floor is showrunner. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need me for something? I'm busy over here. <laughs> so. It's just funny to us. Uh, yes, yeah, so after our conversation with ChatGPT uh, last week, um, we I, I also mentioned to to these boys that uh, you could do you know image creation with with AI as well. So um, we're playing around with that a little bit before the show, and Alex is sending me random prompts uh, via chat, and we're just seeing what it comes up with. So. So far, Optimus Prime uh, looks pretty scary, licking a snow cone at a hot dog convention. And we had to uh, edit our Zach Wilson hanging out with mom's prompt. I missed that one. What was um, produced? Uh, this is the picture over here. Um, and it is actually uh, realistic in that it's football players in Jets uniforms. Um, but... I don't, these face swaps are, just don't really work well. So, anyway. Wait, but these aren't moms. Is that, did that throw it off? Uh, one of them appears to be mom-like in so nature. For the, there, for the AI image generator, I asked them to create uh, the Jets quarterback hanging out with a bunch of moms. Um, did not pan out. <laughs> AI is not the future. As... As an audio-only show, this has got to be gold. Although, 
here's your father coming home 20 years after getting cigarettes. It's really black and white. I'm glad they did that. Apparently your father is black, so that's excellent. Lucas, true story. Uh, Alex and Mai's great-grandfather actually did that. He went out to get cigarettes and came back 10 years later. Those must have been some mighty fine cigarettes. We got all the tropes in our family, Lucas. <laughs> some pretty fine something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the kids were calling it those days, cigarettes. <laughs> all right, before we get off the rails even further... Well, let's just jump right into, I'm calling on Audible here. Chad GPT, Steve, your mind was blown, your world was rediscovered, your life as you know it will never be the same. How, How was your week with Chad GPT? So... You know, last week, Lucas, I remember you were like, dude, calm down. You don't need to jump right into chat GPT after the show. Give us some time. And I was like, no, I'm really excited about this process. I want to get going. So I looked at the chat GPT the next day. I had a free hour and I was reading up on it and I was asking it like, you know, the questions we were asking last week, like, how do I know you're not going to take over the world? And it ans- its answers, plugged in as they may be, kind of gave me a little bit of confidence and made me feel a little bit better about things. And quite honestly, it made me feel better when some of the things I asked it to do, it failed miserably. So there was a lot of good and a little bad with ChatGPT. So I'm going to quiz you both. Here are a few things I asked ChatGPT to do. And you tell me on a scale of 1 through 10, 10 being super effective, how well it did. Now, the first one will be a cheat code because I already told you the answers. ChatGPT was able to write. uh, I wrote my notes and then ChatGPT wrote them way better. Okay. I'm saying one through ten, how likely is that? Oh, how likely? Oh, ten being the most likely? Yes. Uh, a nine. I'm going to yeah. say seven. I might go higher than nine, but about that range. I asked ChatGPT to talk to me about the therapeutic model of EMDR and asked lots of follow-up questions. How did ChatGPT do with that conversation? I'd say an eight. Six. Ten. Couldn't have been better. Help me understand some things I've been struggling with for years. Uh, this one I did give you the answers to. I asked Cat GPT to help me with Wordle. Two. Uh, three. I'm going to give it a zero because I repeatedly said R is the fourth letter and it kept putting R as the fifth letter. So it was absolutely not getting it right. I gave, I gave ChatGPT my wife's Christmas budget and the list of items I was thinking about and asked it to help me prioritize a good combination of gifts. Ooh, probably a five. Two. Two. It only spent like 70, it only spent 40% of my budget. Okay, quick side note. The latest prompt was talking about Mario Lopez. And it brings up, like, Mar- Super Mario from the game. That's not Mario Lopez. That's like adult Mario kissing child Mario is what that looks like. 
Although this one is pretty good. There's Mario Lopez. And there's the... That's Fix It Felix. I mean, Steven, you got it, you got it. All right. So just so you know, send these photos out, take some snips, send it out in our group chat as a thing so they have context for this podcast. Yeah, no, I will I will do that. That's a that's a good point. Thanks, Lucas. You, you can't miss this gold. <laughs> so so Steve, were you overall impressed by AI at this at this point? I mean, yes, it's got work to do. It, it's it's made huge strides from the very beginning, but are you impressed with it so far or no? I was very impressed with its ability to do things like I said with the notes or teach me things, but if I asked it to be creative like I had read like it had done good things, like it created like monologues for comedians that were funny, but like I asked it to come up with a louder milk season, season four plot. It was very generic. I asked it to, uh, um, work, create a song. It couldn't do that. So the artistic stuff, no, but like the stuff like with work and educating, like for educational purposes, incredible. Yeah. Did you ask Trappy GPT scary questions like, what are you feeling right now? And then it answered. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. No, I did not do that. But one thing that did surprise me, Lucas, about ChatGPT, I repeatedly said, like, sprinkle some, like, New Zealand verbiage into our conversation. And it could not do that. Like, it told me it would, but, like, could not remember two or three questions down the road. So that one surprised me. Yeah. So uh, things like Are You Alive or trying to, like, get it to fall in love with you, because, yes, people did try to do that. Um, they've actually put kind of controls in place since then uh, to have it not get confused. Um, there's also ways that you can get it to talk around in circles and contradict itself, um, and so they're working on that as well. Uh, but, yeah, no, you're right. For the most part, that's what I found it to be really good at as well. Um, is just, uh, you know, putting a different, uh, voice on, on like an email you wrote or a report you wrote, um, or actually teaching you things. Like, I, I really don't understand how this works. Can you, can you tell me how it works? And then asking follow up questions. It's, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Alex, you have such a creative mind. All right. Yeah, that's what uh, my teacher said in my remedial classes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our latest prompt uh, is Backstreet Boys, but a lot more flamboyant and a possum. Uh, All right, so Stephen, what's that? What's that number one? Or, or that was number one. All right, number one, Alex. Yep. Number two. Up. Number two, Alex. We're on number two. Um, those are some flamboyant Backstreet Boys, and his legs look broken. That's interesting. Um. So, speaking of absolutely ridiculous things, um, it was it, it wasn't a recent thing, I believe, but uh, it, it came out uh, this week that Sean McDermott, the coach of the Buffalo Bills, correct? I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. At least for now. Um, needs to kind of work on his people skills. Uh, he cited the 9/11 attacks and the terrorists. Um, as a good example of teamwork, they had to persevere and get through a lot uh, to accomplish their goal and what they were able to do. Uh, Alex. Yes. What the fuck was he thinking? You know, I think what he was doing was he's trying to improvise a speech. 
And uh, he obviously hasn't been to a lot of improvised classes because rule number one is always say yes, right? You're always yes. You got to continue the improvisation. That's how it works. Rule two is you don't talk about 9-11. Those are the only two rules in improv. And he failed number two. Um, not the best speech, you know. I, I'm really – what I am picturing <laughs> – what I am picturing – <laughs> what, what I am picturing is him just getting off. I like I picture him walking off the stage like, oh, damn it. Oh, God, that was terrible. I'm in so much trouble right now. And that's how I picture it. That, was, that wasn't great by him. Folks, we've got a new podcast logo. We have a winner. And it's actually relating to the podcast historically. So the prompt is Matt Patricia eating a hot dog. On the sideline, and boy, do we have a winner. It happened! Do you want one hot dog or two, Alex? I called it in the podcast years ago, and we have photo of proof. Okay. The first one, definitely. He looks like he's caught. Yeah, he, he did. He, he looks like he he's in trouble, and he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve. Steve. Really off the rails. Sean. Sean McDermott. I guess if you're laughing at this or if you're just hating it. Um, I remember Bill Maher said something like this real shortly after 9-11. Like, I was probably less than a year. Like, he's like, you may not agree with them, but these guys were brave. You basically killed yourself for what a cause that you believed in, and that story didn't turn out well for him, and it feels like the same way. Like, the stupidity of that aside, I did some legwork into kind of the Sean McDermott coaching experience, and, like, Kind of, there's an, I can't remember the, the source, but basically they did a big review on kind of the Sean McDermott, uh, coaching experience and a couple of things that, uh, popped out for me. He's a very insecure guy, shocking. Um, yeah. And my favorite was, if you guys remember, it was two years ago, that was the crazy game with Buffalo and Kansas City, the one where they, uh, Buffalo went ahead with 13 seconds to go kicked the ball off to Patrick Mahomes, and somehow with 13 seconds, they got into field goal position, tie goes to overtime, and they win. Uh, and one of the complaints was that uh, they didn't squib the ball, and they kicked it in the end zone to give Patrick Mahomes an extra play, and that was Sean McDermott's call. And afterwards, he declined accountability, told his staff to work harder to figure it out, and then they left on vacation for the year. And then this year with the team struggling – his pan, his decision to cover, uh, fire Ken Dorsey. It just, I don't know. It seems, yeah, I think the moral of the story is this is just a guy that doesn't get it for lack of a better word. So, um, it is amazing what you can get away with if you have a top level quarterback. That's the rambling moral of this story. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago too. Uh, being a head coach is more than just the X's and O's. It's more than having a brilliant football mind. You are a leader of human beings. You are a leader of men. You have to be, you have to have those qualities as well. And that's what I think we're seeing with some of these head coaches who are just failing miserably. And, and we'll get to the next one in the next question here. Um, they might be brilliant football minds. Matt Patricia was a rocket scientist, right, Alex? Um, those but, are jobs. Yeah, but they don't have everything that you need to be a, a good head coach. And and that's what I think he lacks here too. There's, there's just no social tech. There's insecurities. He, he might be brilliant and call the best plays and 
understand the ins and outs of the game, but okay, great, then be a coordinator. Um, yeah. And that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. Yep. All right, so speaking of really horrible head coaches, uh, last week uh, our favorite uh, currently, uh, Brandon Staley, um, basically was suggesting that Eckler and Josh Kelly uh, would be kind of a split backfield, sharing carries, you know, like like we see a lot of teams doing. Um, so what did they do this week? Uh, Eckler had his second highest snap share of the season, and Kelly had three carries and no targets. Um I'm not good at math, but even I can tell that that doesn't really equal 50-50. So what the heck happened, Steve? Someone's got to explain Brandon Staley to me. Like, it seems like he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and, like, everything he does and touches seems to turn to crack. Like, I don't get the guy. Like, we've talked about his litany of bad coaching decisions in prior prior episodes, so I don't need to relive that, but, like, what did he think? Like this was gonna light a thunder, light a light a fire under Austin Eckler, like that wasn't achieved by when you declined to give him a contract extension this off season. Like, I don't get this guy. Uh, same thing. Like, he would have been canned long ago if Justin Herbert wasn't keeping the ship afloat. That's very good commentary. It's Easton Stick season, boys. Mm-hmm. Lucas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, seems to have lost connection via talking, but I very much enjoyed the point of you, Steve. And yes, I get you. Um, so we'll just have the improv for a year for a minute. So, one for one. You ready? Do you actually have a one for one? Are you? Yes, I do. And so okay. I'm not quite sure how good of a one for one this is, but basically, I'm pretty sure that you watched the Lions game with the Saints, right? Yes. And did you see that thing where Alvin Kamara took out that guy's leg? Yes. It's very sad, right? No no and, winner in that situation. Elvin Kamara just kind of looked at him and was like, I feel like I should help, but there's nothing I can do, and he just kind of left. Anywho's, I'm not making fun of either of them in this situation, nor blaming Elvin Kamara, but here's what I want to bring up. To, apolog- to show the man support in the hospital, Elvin Kamara signed a football and sent it to him in the hospital. Now, I'm not a genius man, but if you were to get your leg broken by somebody. <laughs> Would you want a signed piece of memorabilia from them? It seems almost like an insult, like the guy that, you know what I mean? This is just something I wanted to bring up. It's not a one-for-one one funny. I was just yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, it seems like the only plus side is because like, I wouldn't want the guy's stuff in my house anyway, so whatever you can sell it for and make. So I guess I would hope it wasn't personalized and I could stick it on eBay and make some shekels. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean, right? Like, could you, like, if, what if a football player took out your leg? Would you want a signed jersey from him? No. Yeah. Like a signed doctor's bill, a signed hospital bill from him. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's weird. I just kept seeing stories everywhere. It's like, yeah, he's really helping that guy out. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. Is he showing up to physical rehab to walk on the little things with him? <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Did he, did he sign, like, some, some like, uh, crutches or anything? Oh, man, that would have been mean. Well, this is the guy that was popping the offseason for, like, being a part of a posse that, like, beat up one singular guy. So I guess we shouldn't set the bar too high on Alvin Kamara. Uh, I guess you're right. But, I mean, at least he's trying. I guess it's the good goal. So I was wondering, Stephen, what you think he should send, cash not included. I was thinking of both. 
Well, I think if we're to assume that the league is going to pay for the cost of the injuries and we just want to make him feel better, I quite th- frankly think he needs like a cameo session with you, Alex. 30 minutes, you and the guy at the broken leg, you just come up with AI images and he will be in stitches and it will make the pain a little more tolerable. I was thinking a boat. Buy him a boat. Everyone wants a boat. Who's going to have to drive a boat with a busted leg? Well, he can't swim with one. He needs something. So maybe we keep you out of the water. Maybe a dog. Who doesn't like a dog? Yeah, or a nice like, guy. like a little helpful dog. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right. I'm curious what you thought. I'm still stuck on boat, but your your thing was good too. Well, the, with the boat, you've got to get the insurance, and if you don't have a boat, you got to get the trailer. So it's kind of like on the prices, right? When you win a prize, but then you've got to pay all the taxes on it. So is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. Lucas, you got any opinions on that? <laughs> uh, no, but I'm enjoying AI created Bill Belichick reading a Civil War book. So that's good. That's that's not too bad. Except they didn't they spelled Patriots wrong. Boy, oh, cool. Yeah, I don't even. I think they're letters, but it's yeah. It, hey, it needs some work, but it it adds to the comedy. Anyway, so just stop derailing the podcast. I'll stop putting in suggestions for photos, and Lucas will be sending those out. Yeah, I, I think they were so good it broke my microphone, so I had to I had to take time to fix that. Okay. All right, number four, um, Patrick Mahomes uh, at the end of the Chiefs Chiefs Bills again. Hey, look, we're talking about Chiefs Bills, um, and I don't know. Okay, Steve just blinked. All right, I didn't know if his camera froze or if he was just, like, really still disappointed in you with his hands in his face. Um, I think it's the latter. <laughs> I think it is, too. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, post game. So it was a really cool play. Uh, the pass play he made to Kelsey. Kelsey was running. Three guys were literally about to tackle him. He threw a perfect spiral backwards to Kadarius Tony, who obviously was wide open because everybody's going to tackle him, uh, for the touchdown. Uh, to, to, I believe it would be to take the lead in game, if I'm not mistaken, or to tie. So one of those two. And they called a penalty offensive offsides, right? Tony was lined up, lined up quite clearly beyond the ball. Um, and Mahomes, who stays calm and we've never seen him get upset, just loses his shit. To the rest, we've never, and they're all like, wow, we've never seen, I wonder what he's angry about. And come to find out, he's angry because that was such a good play, and they, the refs took it away from Kelsey, um, by calling that penalty. So he's essentially saying, you shouldn't have called the penalty, even though it was a penalty, and everybody admits it was a penalty, because it was such a good play. Um, I think he finally apologized today, but that took him way too long. Somebody should have showed him the replay, like, right away. Uh, is this him just being petulant, Alex, or is caught in the heat of the moment, or what What do you think happened? Let me tell you, this one's a really hard one, just because I can't tell if it's be- – so being a Lions fan, and this is coming from a Lions fan's perspective, when you lose at the end of the game because of a call that may or may not be that big of a deal, it's incredibly distressing and depressing. However – the Chiefs constantly get away with things all the time, and they finally get away with one, and they finally get caught for one, and it's an important one for once. And they're like, well, no. You know what I mean? It was a good play, so you shouldn't have gotten rid of it. Now, being a Detroit Lions fan, every time one of those plays happens, 
all of the announcers, everybody on ESPN says, you know what? Winners learn how to win. So you can't be relying on the refs to win you the game. Every year. I hear that twice a year, every year since I've been a Lions fan. And so I'm going to say the same thing to him. If you had to rely on one call where a ref should have had to do something, then you shouldn't have won the game to begin with. The thing is, too, is all over the Internet, it seems like his rage is fueling other people because now they're just going through other games. and They're like, look at this wide receiver. He's kind of almost off sides. And they're not because he was so blatantly off sides. Yeah. Like, it was so blatant. And people are still trying to defend it and saying, like, oh, no, it's fine. Because if they didn't call it before, they shouldn't call it now. I I don't know. It's just frustrating, and maybe Patrick just hasn't had to deal with it before. And if this is his first time, then. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at least I remind you the same thing happened to them in the Lions game in week one, where they finally got called for the full start. Um, and it, you know, it was on a, it was a pretty significant play. It didn't directly cost them the game. But, Steve? I forget how long it Go Matt, if you remember, you blew my mind when you and I had very different opinions on the situation with the sideline reporter making stuff up. We might be in the same situation here. He was wrong, and yeah, I can see it probably took him too long to say I was wrong. But and maybe because I'm I'm suffering through this, like to me that play was the symptom, not the cause. Like I'm watching every week Patrick Mahomes throw balls to Marquez Valdez Scandling, who was killing him. Like, these anyone not named Travis Kelsey is just killing Patrick Mahomes. And we're going to talk about this later. This has cemented me, Tyreek Hill, as MVP of the league because of what he's doing. Um, so I think it was a frustration that his guys just keep failing him and expressed inappropriately. So I'm willing to say he's had a pretty clean track record. Even more impressive considering his wife and his brother seem to be some interesting characters. So... I chalk it up. Uh, I spot the mistake and say we just move on. I, I think that's a very good point, and I would tend to agree with you. Um, it it's easy to pile on him because it's so blatantly obvious. He's calling you know an apple purple. It's quite <laughs> obviously red, right? And everybody thinks he's an idiot for doing so. But you're right. I, I I feel there's a lot of truth in that too. Those receivers are killing him, Tony especially, Valdez Scantling. He's had enough. He's he was pissed off at the fact that how do you line up offsides when you're on offense? When yeah. this is the only call in the game where you can actually turn to the refs and ask, "Am I going to be called for this?" and they'll tell you yes or no. So all he had to do is turn over and say, "Am I onside?" and they would have been like, "Nope," and he would have backed up. <laughs> and he didn't do it. So oh man, you know Tony might be fast. He might have some skill. Um, but man, if he ever gets a ball thrown his way again this season, I'd be surprised. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Uh, we'll try to pick up the pace here. Number five. Um, I believe I heard this a week or two ago. I don't think this was past week, but um, Colin Cowherd, one of the people, there may have been others who brought this up, but Carolina uh, Panther team employees reached out to Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, after his name was thrown around as a head coaching candidate and basically told him, don't come here. This is a cluster. When you've got people on your own staff employed by you telling other people 
not to come work where you're working. What sort of level of issues they got going on over there, Steve? It's got to be a big deal. I mean, we talked about this uh, Tepper guy a few weeks ago, and, like, he he seems to be really gifted in the idea in financial planning, being a hedge fund manager, and he seems to think that's a relatable skill to building an NFL franchise. And maybe it will be one day, but, like, I don't see it. I don't get it. And it's just, it seems like a dumpster fire organization. Like, you and I talked about this a few years ago, Lucas. I walked away from an opportunity to be the equivalent of a head coach to say the D coordinator at a place that felt a little, you know, competent. Like, why would you go to Carolina? You're stuck with Bryce Young. You don't have a first-round draft pick. You are, you have a decent defense, but that, they change from year to year. Like, I, why would Ben Johnson go to Carolina? I don't get it. Yeah. Alex? I feel like this is just like a kind of a bad thing within the NFL in general where like these teams that go like get like one win and they keep on trying to pick up head coaches that were offensive coordinators and then their career is just over before it even began. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a good move with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, they did just unload everything. They're saying that they've already made a giant bus pick in Bryce Young when it said they could have gotten C.J. Stroud. He went to the Texans of all places and is doing really well. I mean, it's just a rough situation to be in. Um, even if just because something's a cluster doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but I think Ben Johnson is such a high requested person. I think he has the power to not go to the first place that offers him a head coach position, and he can go somewhere with a little bit more stuff under their belt already. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much. Yeah. So so Monday night last night, uh number six, uh NFL had two games on with the same start time. Uh that's never happened before. And when somebody asked them, Why in the world did you do that? You're like what what was the point here? And their quote was trying something new. What in the world are they trying to do, Alex? Why so, so here's here's why I would have done it. Who's the guy that normally announces Monday Night Football? Al Michaels. The current one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it, or is he a Sunday night? He's Sunday night on NBC with Collinsworth. Yes, no, Al, Al Michaels is now Prime. He's been on Prime with uh, Herbst. Yeah, who's, so it's Tariko. Tariko. Tariko, yes. Tariko? Yep. No, he's yeah. on NBC. He's on Sunday Night Football. Who's on Monday Night? Yeah, it's him and Collinsworth on Sunday Night. Collinsworth. Who's the stupid guy on Monday night? I don't know. Well, now we're going to Google it because Monday night football. I'm telling this has a purpose. No. And everybody Aikman listening is. Thursday night. This is ridiculous. Aikman and Buck have Thursday night. Tariko and Collinsworth have Sunday, which means Al Michaels does have to be doing Monday with Kirk Herbstreit. That's final answer. So Kirk no. Herbstreit. Yeah. Okay. So you ever see those old sitcoms where, like, there's two proms? They have two dates to the prom. So they needed to make... Chris Collinsworth dress up and go to two different games and run back and forth and just make that the whole bit. And the entire, t- you know what I'm saying? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> well, if that's what they were trying to do, I, I, I see that's it. what I'm talking about. And yeah, then, like, but- you just, so then it encourages you to switch between two channels. So you're technically watching both games because you got to figure out how Chris Hemsworth is going to get this or who he's going to get caught by. 
You know what I mean? Because he's not supposed to be announcing it two games at once. And one of his dates, i.e. the other announcer, is going to get very disappointed in him. So now they're getting twice the amount of money because I'm watching two games and I'm only one person. So it's like NFL's version of Golden Bachelor? Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Steve, come on. You know this is a good idea, right? Um, <laughs> you might have to polish that one up a little bit. But speaking of polish up, like, I didn't mind it. I don't love it, but I don't care if it goes away. But the one stupid thing they did, and I don't know if you guys caught this. Actually, Lucas, I was using your YouTube TV, um, and I was had both games on. And the dumb thing was, I don't know if you caught this, like, if you're watching – actually, if you're, I was watching the Miami-Tennessee game on one channel. Excuse me. I was watching New York Green Bay on one channel. They're going for the game-winning field goal. They decide to bring up both screens on the singular screen, and the screen they just brought in is ahead on real time. So basically, on the second screen, you're seeing – the field goal was good before they've even kicked the field goal on the main screen that you're watching. So just the logistics were wonky. So if you want to try it once, fine, but I don't know. I don't really have any strong feels on it. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Steve, one of your favorite Falcon players, uh, Drake London, 10 catches for 172 last week. Is that just an outlier or is he finally ready to show himself? So... I think Drake London is an excellent wide receiver. He was the number one drafted wide receiver in his rookie class. I think he was fifth overall. Um, a couple of those catches were truly incredible. I think he has a Arthur Smith problem and a Desmond Ritter problem to the extent, and we're going to talk about this a little, little later. Desmond Ritter is like two different human beings. He can sling a pretty good football in a home game, but in an away game, it is, it's a bit of a gnarly message. So. I I think this is going to be a scatter plot in a general upward direction. Not that we're going to see eight for one forty one next week, but I I believe in the guy, and the guy just did the thing to prove to me and why I believe in him. Alex, I think Kenyon Drake has a lot of promise and then is on an amazing offense, and it's going to have weeks where he's kind of not the main focus or he's going to block in the backfield. I still think that he has a lot of ability and then I think he's a part of the team. So I think he's still a value member in fantasy. Coming out of the backfield, he's got some pluses and some minuses. What'd you say? That was great. That was great analysis. I'm wondering also how you feel about Drake London. Oh, did I pick the wrong guy? I thought we were talking about Kevin Drake. No. I was like, he's good. Oops. Drake London. Yeah, ah. the re- receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Ah, I don't know a lot about Drake London. <laughs> That's a good good analysis on Kenyon Drake, though. I like him. All right. <laughs> you know what? This is going to go so well. I just I just know it. Number eight, I, I'm a little scared, but with the way we're going tonight, this is just going to be awesome. Question for the commissioner to be shared on the show is my prompt. <laughs> So, Lucas, I think it's fair to say, as a general rule, your theory as the commissioner of our league has been like, if something happens with ESPN scoring or whatever that we were not prepared for, you are not going to bring out the hammer to make the change. You're going to say that we basically agreed to the rules set up, and if we don't like it, we can make a change in the off season. 
I want to test that theory hypothetically. Um, I will not get into the weeds too much on this, but as we know, I lost the first round by to Cam by six tenths of a point. Um, what I'm getting at is I looked at stat corrections, which aren't up yet for the week, but there's a caveat in there that says stat corrections will be counted up until one week from the end of that particular game. So if there are stat corrections to anything that happened this week, they may not come in until this week's games are currently underway, and that would be a problem because Cam may not feel like he's got to set his lineup. But if the stat correction did come in, Cam is now in a match this week when he wasn't preparing to be. So in that scenario, would you exercise commissioner power, or would you say that we are going to honor the system and address it in the offseason? If stat corrections come in, before the start of the next week's matchups, they should be counted. If stat corrections come in after the next games have been played, then they shouldn't be counted like ESPN does. I agree with how they're doing that. Um, it's just like, oh, I'm trying to equate it to another sports scenario. Uh, maybe... Um, calls like offsides or, or video replays in soccer or something like that, right? Like, or if there comes a point of time in a game where you've lost the time to correct what needed to be corrected. Like it's, you played too much of the game. You've, you've gone too much time um, to, to make that right. Uh, you can make corrections in the moment um, NFL does this very well with their challenges and their replays and all that stuff. I feel it flows very well. It doesn't take too long. It's done at the appropriate time, etc. Um, and that's how I would feel about this too, right? If there's st- there's stat corrections that come out on Wednesday, um, if those stat corrections adjust last week's matchups for either you or Cam, and therefore affects the seating, then yeah, it affects the seating, and you get the first round by and Cam's playing this week. So he probably should pay attention to that um, and and watch for those because if he was like, well, I had the buy and I didn't realize and I didn't set my lineup, I'm, that's that. I'm sorry. <laughs> pay attention. Well, I want to. I just want to verify because you and I might be having a slightly different conversation here. ESPN is saying they have carte blanche to make the change. The stack correction can come up to one week after the game. So in theory they could decide next Sunday that last Sunday's games had a correction. So mid midweek, while the matchup is going on, they could alter everything. Mm. Um, so what's, what do you feel is the most equitable and fair? Taking people out of it, right? Would you... Now knowing this, do I reach out to Cam and tell him, just set your lineup for this week just in case? Set your lineup and make your waiver plays. Yeah, that's what I would do. I see. That, I okay. It feels I'm kind of weird. I'm not saying have to be right, but this is. I mean, in theory, like it is. It is what it is. The bylaws of the league that we currently have, unless we make an adjustment. Which I don't think we could adjust something like that. That that seems like a site sort of site wide setting that's not correctable. I mean, you can hop in and edit. Like I just did it in our league. You can hop in and do whatever you want to the league scoring, team mm-hmm. scores. I'm not sure which side you're on, Lucas. I mean, Steve, but I would much rather that they like, when the points, like there's like a certain cutoff. 
So, like, Wednesday night or something like that. Because, like, if it's literally, like, right before a game and it changes something. Yeah. Because, like, I'll also even make picks for a lineup based off the other person sometimes. Like, let's say if they have a quarterback and I have a wide receiver that that quarterback throws to, maybe I'll put them in just so I can, like, negate some points and stuff like that. So, like, I feel like even if you do set your lineup, if it changes it that soon before a patch, it could have, like, negative consequences. And really, this is the only case in which this needs to be considered. Because if this happens during the regular season, who cares? Uh, it doesn't affect next week's matchup. It only affects end-of-season standings. Well, now it is end-of-season. And, by the way, I would just like to point out that, yes, you lost by .58 points to him. Not this week, but over the course of the entire freaking season. You scored .58 points less than Cam over 14 weeks. and. That's what cost you. Why does this crap always happen to you, man? Um, well, it's not always you. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. There's somebody else who has, has a beef, uh, for the most part, usually most seasons too. But, um, yeah, no. So for this one, I think I'll make the call here and now. I, I, I kind of side with Alex on this. We need to have Wednesday as the cutoff. So if stat corrections on Wednesday, we'll take that. But at the start of the Thursday night games, that it's set in stone, and those are the matchups. Well, hold on. You're leaving some wiggle room. Like, what if it's Thursday afternoon they make the corrections? They don't do that. They always do it. They they It always comes out at night. Uh, but but to, it, it, in case, no, at kickoff of Thursday's game, that is the result. All right. Yeah, that seems pretty fair. I, and I don't think the odds of it happening – Though I did learn this week that uh, stats created on two-point conversions don't count because that would have been the difference. My linebacker got a tackle. and, and But you, honestly, even worse. Happened. If, if I got the point, then Cam's talking about how he lost the, the, the lead by .42 points, and he can look at things. So hope yeah. it works out. Odds are small, but I have I have it happened before with Carly, so who knows? No. All right, moving on. All right, uh, real quick before we do move on. I would like to say, you know, it's important to mention when we did something wrong. Uh, Kenyon Drake is not a viable starter. He has zero carries for one yard and is on the practice squad for the Packers. So just uh, don't listen to me on that one. I'm bad at names. Continue. I'm sorry, can you also explain zero carries for one yard? Uh, one carry for zero yards. I switched I'm with you now. Thank you. <laughs> they felt yeah. bad for they gave him a They gave him a pity yard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, big man to own a big mistake, Artie. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Priority pickups. Who's out there, Steve? Friggin' jack shit and his little sister, because I am highly in the market. So let's, instead of me just saying there's nobody out there, I'm going to throw a couple players out that at least are worth having a conversation. Give me your snapshot thoughts, and then obviously if you two have anybody, um, let me know. I don't think there is any anybody on the quarterback scene that I would be interested in. Moving on, running backs. I guess the main one to bring up would be Ezekiel Elliott. If you are anti-Zeke, you're going to look at basically three yards of carry last week on 22 uh, – sorry, three yards of carry last week. If you want to be positive, uh, he's got the backfield to himself because Ramondre is out, and he did get 22 carries and seven receptions. So for 29 opportunities, that created 24.5 points. So 
It's what you believe. Do you believe volume will be king or that this was a one-week wonder and he's going to go back to being kind of a guy on the downslope of his career? Beyond, the, I'm sorry, so what are your guys' thoughts? Would you give any interest to Ezekiel Elliott if you were in need of a running back starter? It me, would, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Me, no, because I've had him on another team, and he was just, I want to say a waste of a spot on my bench, but he pretty much was most of the time. And, I mean, I know he had kind of, well, he had a really good week last week, right? Or, like, it was week last week or the week before? Last uh, week. Last week. But I I don't know if that's necessarily enough to go off of. Because, I mean, what he had, yeah, like what he said, I think Lucas just pulled up his stats. He does have a 16 and a 10 in there, but the Patriots offense is just, like, not good. And I think they're officially out of – are they officially out of playoff contention now? No, they saw, there are so many things that have to happen for them to get in, but, no, not technically eliminated. They are the lowest-ranked team in playoff contention still right now, though. And, like – I've seen a lot of non-playoff contention teams, and there's a lot of games where they're just, like, not really pushing, you know? Okay. Yeah, and Zeke plays the Kansas City defense this week, too. Now, granted, he's the starting back, um, and he did very well last week. So I everybody out there is in the category of if you are really desperate and really <laughs> don't have anything else on your bench, maybe you take a flyer on these guys. Otherwise... If you're in the playoffs, you've got guys on your bench because um, you're not in the playoffs if you don't. So trust those guys over anybody on the waiver wire. But the other two ones, and it even hurts to say, are really tight ends. Um, and since we don't have a dedicated tight end position in this league, that's really taking a chance. But uh, the two that did really well last week, Evan Ingram, um, the past three weeks has had 12, 9, and 8 targets. Um, with 11, 9, and 5 catches. So he's he's getting thrown to. He's kind of catching it as a decent average. Uh, 28 points last week and 19 points the week before. And then David Njoku, um, targets are 8, 6, 9, and then he had 15 targets in week 11. Um, so, you know, and, and he's playing Chicago this week. Um, so I, I don't know. Again, it, I, I'm not sold on any of them, but, yeah. Well, I would say I think I'm with you in Njoku. I think you can make a little bit more of a case for Evan Ingram simply because um, Christian Kirk is out for the year, so those targets do have to go to a place. So there is a there is a very strict thing you can point to as far as why Evan Ingram has had the bump versus maybe just more of the up-and-down nature of it for Jake Ferguson or David Njoku. Yep. Hold on, one more, one more, and then I will. So the one thing we do stream a little bit is defenses. Would you have any interest again with the Rams versus turnover machine Sam Howell or the Falcons versus the inept Bryce Young? I'd give it a shot, even though yeah, I'd still do it. I feel like when it comes to defenses – the ability of the defense is almost not as important as the ability of the team they're going against, and that's kind of outside of the top couple of defenses. I feel like well, that's let's, just... let's hold on, Alex. I want to hear. You, I want I want to hear what you have to say, but I want to take you from the abstract to the concrete because I look. Do you have the Tampa Bay defense? They're fine. Like they're a middle of the road defense. They have a middle of the road matchup. Like so they're not bad, but they're not anything. You know, you're you're watering your mouth over. You've got a pretty big matchup this week against Junior. Like. 
Mm-hmm. Are these teams that you would – are these defenses that you would look at? He's not playing oh. junior this week. He's not? No. He's playing Kelly. You're playing junior. Kelly, so. got, Kelly jumped to the five seed. Yeah, and I'm the three seed. Yeah. Wait, what? You're the three. Junior fell to six. I swear to, I swear to God on everything holy, Lucas, this morning, Kelly was the six seed because she was projected to outscore me. But I'm looking at it now. You're right. So, yes, but other defenses that have higher things, I would definitely be considered, especially because I have a bench, uh, defense on my bench. I can definitely get one out of one and switch one to someone that's going against the worst offense. I think, I think if you need to swing for the fences, you do consider the Falcons defense. Um, I was thinking that this week as Carolina was playing. I'm like, oh, my God, whoever Carolina is playing, you need to grab their defense. Like, they just get turnovers and sacks. And if you look since week eight, whatever defense has been playing them has had double digits um, in points. So with the New Orleans defense getting 26 last week, the New Orleans defense. So definitely consider Atlanta. So I want to – yeah, I think we're in a good place. I want to real quick before I move on. I did some uh, for the show. I did some. I did some research on the waiver wire this year, uh, and it blew my mind. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna test you guys out here. Like, and it goes to our theory that like it has been a crappy waiver wire all year. Wait, well, I have a suggestion for waiver wire, and I'm yeah. gonna let you talk about that. But right now, we're doing a little quiz on what has happened in the waiver wire. Oh, okay, I'm a bit. Nope, no worries. And didn't mean to cut you off, Ruby. I want to just kind of see this out for a second. There has been one time the entire year where one player had, sorry, one player like the player had three teams put in a waiver claim for him. That is the most and the only time that it happened. Take a guess as to the player. Kenyon Drake. Close. We knew that was coming. (laughs) Drake won. Puka. I'd have thought that too, and it happened the same week as the Puka. Pick up, but no, you and Derek were the only two that put in a waiver claim on Puka. So week three? Week three was the only time one player got three bits put in. When, who got, was that when Cleveland's, when was, was that when? Oh, yeah. Was it TJ Ford? You would think so, but no, I'll give you one more shot, and then I will let you guys get out of this. Oh, then Jerome Ford. <laughs> no, not not any of the Ford family. That was a good guess, though, Alex, when Chubb was down. I don't know. Tyler Algier. Oh. And there have only been two weeks where a waiver claim for a player was declined. So basically that week there was the Puka and the Tyler Algier. And I'm drawing a blank, but like six weeks ago there was another week where one player had two bids put in like, Nobody is intrigued by anything on the waiver wire this year. I don't remember a year like that before. We also don't have a lot of teams with active waiver wire claims. We That's we have true. we have teams that that make lineup changes on on Thursday night and not not Tuesday or Wednesday. So all right, yeah. All right, sorry, Alex. What can we do to make the waiver wire more interesting? No, it's not. We have to make it. We I have a suggestion for a waiver pickup. Oh, sorry. I apologize. I misheard you. What's up? That's okay. Deron Bland. Mm. I think so. Yeah. 
So you're in the playoffs, and you need to go like if you if you're in a big go home big home situation, you're going against the number one seed. No, sorry, not the number one seed because it buys, but you know what I'm saying. You're a low seed. You don't know. That dude has such high play potential. And let's say if like Lucas picks him up and he has those highest plays, and he has the Cowboys defense, that is just like if the Cowboys defense has a good day, he wins. Just saying. Yeah, Deron Bland, the only reason I haven't picked him up is because he's very, um, let's say, interception-dependent, so touchdown-dependent. Well, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of the defensive backs are, but, hey, go big or go home. You know well, I mean? no, there's some that get a lot of tackles on a consistent basis, right, and and score in the high points. So um, he's had a lot of ups but a lot of downs, and so you could really swing and miss um, possibly. But – uh, don't listen to me. I'm not in the playoffs. So, yeah. Alex, I, I think there is a merit to that. I think, but I'm more with Lucas. I did quick math. If he doesn't get an interception, he averages four points a game, and I'm probably a little more in the aware of that because I'm thinking less about shooting for the stars and looking for stability um, for guys who really drop the ball. So, I think it's how you play the game. So, I can appreciate where you're coming from. It's not a bad pick, but I think that. Uh, the I'd be more I'm more worried about the swing and the miss. Okay, but like so from like a theoretical standpoint, let's yeah. pretend because the Dallas's defense is so insane. You then pick up three of the best Dallas defensive players and just go. So like if a team could do that and just have that oppressive a defense, how good would that team be? Very and and if and if Junior feels he needs to swing for the fences to beat Steve this week, that's exactly what he does. You double dip where you can, and you throw all your eggs in one basket because that's how you do it. I, you know, and I think as you guys have talked about, this has raised up the other point for me. Like, I think if they're playing like a not great team, I'm there. But it's the Bills. I'm not gonna Dallas Cowboy defense is great, but they're going to Buffalo, so that also feels like it's a little bit less inclined to be a good Dallas day from that perspective. Maybe Jared Allen had that one day where he threw like four picks, right? Or three or four. Yeah, it could happen, but we're playing the probability game here. And by Jared Allen, I mean Josh Allen. And by Josh Allen, I mean J. Dot. Yes, there it is. Yeah. All right, number 10. Um, We're going to have a little bit more fun with AI to wrap this up. Okay, Alex, I'm going to ask you a question, and I need an answer from you. Um, What type of genre of music from the selections here on my screen that you can see that the viewers cannot, would you like to select? Funk. Funk. Oh, there it is. P-H-O-N-K. Okay. Um, And then what uh, set of adjectives um, sound the best to you? Uh, You can kind of see some of this, but... but No, just give me a couple that you like here as I lifted them off. Dark, mysterious, angry, ponderous. Heavy and ponderous, angry, busy. The fifth one. Okay. All right. Here we go. I hope this works. I I pray this works. Oh. It's out. Yeah, that was kind of cool. All right, that's a, that's AI as well, Steve. Okay, that was AI was generated music based on genre and adjectives. So okay, so could I put like a Bill Belichick serenade? 
no, we can't After get it. missing the playoffs. Yeah, no, it, it, well, we'll play around with that later. Okay, right. time to shine, Alex. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask this last week, um, but but you weren't here. Uh, so, Steve, uh, you know, because he has no other interest um, besides he's just curious, not like he had this player in fantasy or anything, but why in the blue hell is a five foot two, 117-pound wide receiver in Mr. Tank Dell blocking on a run play at the goal line? And then he subsequently blows out his ankle. Why in the world is he a part of that blocking scheme? Um, poor decision making. Sometimes when you make a play call and you don't have the right package in there, certain players end up in spots where they should not be, especially in goal line situations. I don't know what their backup situation is, but usually a lot of teams have like a wide receiver that's like a big dude for that situation. Boy, that'd have been smart. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they made an issue not with the play call, but with the group that was supposed to be out there. Um, sometimes, sometimes when they have sheets, basically, because was this at the end of the game? Uh, no, it was just, it was like, a, I don't forget what down it was, but they were literally on the one-yard line uh, yeah, trying to punch it in. It was the first quarter, so this was early yeah. in the game. Yeah, well, sometimes, right. and that's the thing, is like they just do so much game planning that when something happens, they automatically know what they're going to do beforehand. And so then they just call it without thinking of sometimes the consequences. And if they didn't have the right guys in there. Maybe someone got hurt. Tank Dell was filling in for something where they didn't realize what his play would be in that situation, and then it happened. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like, I kind of went in this a couple weeks ago, but like coaching is actually super important when it comes to keeping everybody organized. Because if one piece of that puzzle goes missing, you have to figure out how that piece missing is going to affect 60 different different plays. Not necessarily just the offense, but each of the packages and plays that you have because the person that fills in for them has to be there in certain positions. Um, and sometimes things just get missed because it's such a quick game. You know, that sounds like a very intelligent, well-thought-out answer. I'm going to play this clip of the Texans' offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. Maybe that's how he thinks, Steve, uh, explaining why this happened. And then, Steve, I'd like to get your reaction. I mean, if I knew that was going to happen, yeah, 1,000%, you know, um, like I kind of said earlier, that makes that makes you sick. Uh, but as it relates to just that play, I mean, kind of like I alluded to with receivers already, we know everybody kind of has strengths and everybody has, has things we don't necessarily want them doing all the time. Um, but – your best players are going to be on the field, you know, especially when they're involved in the game plan, like red zone, third down, Tank's going to have passes. You know, he's, we're going to get him the ball. And we can't just put him out there only on passes because, I mean, that's almost disrespectful to other coaches. Like, they know that. That's the first thing you look for. Um, if on the field, and what do they do? Are they involved in the run game or not? You know, um, so we always we, we try to help, for sure, him, keep him away from it. Uh, that particular play, that one, you know, that's one. He's the furthest receiver out on the backside of a run, and, and a hole showed, and DP hit it. And it's just, you know, that's one of those that we've talked about as coaches all the time. How can we help this? And I don't really have an answer right now, you know. I mean, Mother of fucking Christ, that was a stupid answer. So let's let's evaluate why this guy's a moron and his name is Apropos. Okay, this wasn't like first and goal from the seven where every play is on the table. This was first and goal from like the one or the two. 
So his logic of, well, if you send certain players out there, they're going to know what you're doing. So I guess the Titans need to pull Derrick Henry out of the game every once in a while. They're just going to assume they're running the ball at the one-yard line. This wide receiver is not meant to be – sorry, let me reset. Like, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is friggin' hand-to-hand combat on any play, let alone first and goal from the one. It is it is crashing and six tons of humanity in one small location. You put the smallest guy out there, Alex should be the offensive coordinator. His logic was brilliant. Yeah, we're not going to fucking – we're not going to throw the ball. We're going to let the running back run in from one yard out. We're going to tip our hand. Let's see what you can do with that information. It makes me sick. It probably makes him sick, too, because he probably got cost a lot of money, you moron. Now, I may or may not be invested in this situation, but that answer was so stupid. Seriously. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're invested in this situation at all. But, no, I I, I hear what you're saying. You know, emotions aside, um, uh, look, he's on the hot seat. He knows it. Uh, what's he going to Go up there and say, oh yeah, we screwed that up. He's kind of quite small. We shouldn't have had him out there. I, I kind of injured him. Uh, no coach is ever going to say that. So was he trying to talk around it? Yeah. Did any of it make sense? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I like Alex's answer better. Yeah. No. Agreed. Alex, what? Okay. My emotions aside, there is a validity to if all of your you just kind of send out like your bigger wide receivers and maybe would be on the hands team or the, the special teams. It does tip the hand a little bit that it's run versus pass. But isn't the loss there offset by the fact that you've got better run blockers in the game to execute your run? Yeah, that's definitely a thing. But, I mean, the big thing is, too, is like if they're doing a run up the middle, I mean, he said it was on the offside. So, but. I don't – it makes sense why they want to put him over there because they want to try and draw coverage from the back. So then they cross people to that side and hopefully make less blockers that need to hit something there. But, I mean, if you put another big guy over there too, it also makes them think, oh, hey, maybe they're running this direction so they put an extra guy there. They're not – they're going to move a guy over there no matter what for the most part. It doesn't matter who it is. But, I mean, I can't tell what the defensive coverage looked like. But that's a case when you should call a timeout as well. So sometimes when you see the quarterbacks out there and they don't like a coverage thing that's lined up, like let's say if they put him out there, Tank Dell, the block, and they backed up a little bit to try to defend a quick pass. Or like not necessarily quick, like a quick slam, but like them running behind the linebacker and just catching it over the top of him. Right? Go for it. But if they're doing that and they just put two giant dudes on Tank Dell, maybe you call that timeout and be like, okay, that that bluff didn't work. I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. I'm not a head coach. Well, it's brilliant, Alex. And last thing, I promise we can move after this on after this. But isn't part of this too? And this may have happened on this play. Like the running back's got autonomy. If like the hole's not there, he's got the pit. He's got the option to look for something else. So he may, in theory, have been running away from Tank Dell. But if the hole wasn't there, he's going to go another direction where there does seem to be an opening. That could be right at Tank Dell. Mm -hmm. Very true. Okay. I don't think it was the right call. I think a mistake was made somewhere, but it's just the point I was really trying to make. That is, it sometimes can be easy to make a mistake like that. I'm sorry, you 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 have articulated all this very well. I'm in my emotions a little bit more. Oh no, no, I just wanted to like reiterate. I, you're you're doing great. And no, and you, this is your section, so everything you're saying it does. It makes a lot of sense. So, and I think it does go to what you said earlier, like. 
I honestly would love it if one of my coaches said, and I think maybe his wife like Dan Campbell, like we fucked that up. We live and move on and really sorry it cost us a guy. Anyway, okay, I promise. Now we're done. All right. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. <laughs> now for one of life's great mysteries. It's the power, Jenkins. All right. Uh, so just a reminder, we're not going to talk a lot about the three teams uh, from last week, Derek, Lucas, and Carly. Uh, we're going to spend a little more time on Matt, and then we'll kind of do normal stuff with the other six teams. Last week's rankings were Carly 1, not Carly 1, Carly 10, Derek 9, Senior 8, Matt 7, Alex 6, Steve 5, Kelly 4, Cam 3, Junior 2, Bobber 1. Number 10. Carly. Carly. Was 10, stays 10, 10 on ESPN. Um, though just in, in a bit of like, this is why we played the game. Carly was high score last week, so who knows what can happen. All right. Uh, she was not high score last week, but she was close. Okay, sorry. Matt was high score. That's right. Yep. Number nine. I'll stick with Derek. Yeah, I'll stick with Derek. Was nine, stays nine, eight on ESPN. Derek. Uh, just real quick, I'm, I guess I'm glad he didn't have a lot of skin in the game because you, could you imagine having lost both your quarterbacks in the same game and having to plan for the next week? Oh, yeah. Herbert's yeah. out, isn't he? Yeah. Jeez. Eight is me. Sorry your boy hurt himself. Who on Lucas? Lucas, I'm sorry, who on your team got hurt? Uh, Nobody. Oh. Alex, we're talking about Derek. His two starting quarterbacks got hurt. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Right? I'm sorry. I thought you were then saying to Lucas, I'm sorry your guy got hurt. I have my apologies. Oh, no. I was like saying to Derek, sorry your boy got hurt. Gotcha. My bad. Yes. So, me too. Okay. So, eight, uh, you want you, Lucas, Alex, are you in the same place? Yes. All right. Was eight, stays eight, nine on ESPN. Lucas, uh, just a quick side note. Lucas, thank you for throwing your best lineup out there. And Debo Samuel almost cost you a week on the couch. I like to be equitable even to my own despair sometimes. So, yes. Seven. So I apologize. Number seven. Um, boy, Matt did have high. Did he take away? Uh, oh boy. I'll say Matt. Sure, I'm going to stick with Matt. No! <laughs> Is there a how dare you coming? No! What <laughs> um, if Zach Wilson? We have a tie for six. Oh, we literally have a tie. We literally have a tie. I don't remember the last time this happened. 
Is it? Wait, is it me? How dare you? You're, are you going to tell me the moment I learned of Zach Wilson's loss from the New York Jets, you're also going to tell me you're ranking me sixth? I thought the Jets How? won. No, they're getting rid of Zach Wilson. Today? I just saw the report about it. They reported him at least that they're going to trade him at the end of next year, no matter what, this year. Breaking oh. news? I thought you meant like he was cut. No, go to news. Click news. Oh, look, his middle name is Capono. That's, oh, uh, that fits. Zachary Capono. Yeah, uh. anyway, we'll, we'll look at this later. Uh, so Matt and Alex are tied for six. What am I going to do with all my figures? <laughs> Matt and Alex are tied for six. Um, we're going to talk How about dare Alex. Are you? Alex, can you give me one more? I really, really dial into your hide there. You, I, I got to miss your, I missed your first one. Do you, do you, do you like it when I say that casually, or do you like it when I put more emphasis on it? It's almost like our grandmother's proper British flavor to it that I really enjoy. How dare you? Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so we will talk about Alex real, real quick, and then we will uh, get into that. Sorry, guys, this, that was pretty good. I can't find my notes on Alex. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. I, I think I, I can brought this up for actually, no, this is what I want to talk about. I apologize to you both. Um, I am fully convinced that Tyreek Hill is the MVP of the league. I have seen how Patrick Mahomes has struggled all year adjusting without life without Tyreek Hill. We got to see about two quarters in a spot show in the fourth quarter of Tua without Tyreek Hill, and they are two very different quarterbacks. So my question for you if Tyreek Hill goes off and plays for another team next year, just isn't on this roster, whatever the reason, um, without Tyreek Hill, Tua is quarterback what next year? Oh. 13. That's an answer. Do you not like that answer? Or is that what you're thinking? Or did I mishear the question? Where is it? No, you're good. I've just never seen Lucas have a moment of pause like this before. Oh, you're asking me too. No, I was waiting for you to talk. Oh, no. Oh. I'm asking you both. Um, uh, yeah, no, actually, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think he has talent, but I think Tyreek and those big plays are really what gives him the big games. Because, yeah. Yeah. Look, and like, uh, I was really hoping too, like Waddle would be able to carry some of that off. But like, even when Tyreek is covered, it's not like Waddle's over there making the giant plays. So, uh, two two quick uh, observations about Tyreek Hill. One, um, oh my God, he might be my first pick next year if he's available to me. Like, thank goodness he'll be available. That man, it's like Devonte Adams four or five years ago, right? You like he, you just you just pick him. Well, maybe that's not. Not a good comparison, but he just looks re- he looks really good. Second quick observation: Have you seen the size of that man's neck? Seriously, if like, you just saw his neck and his face, you'd think he's a really fat dude. Yeah, but, but like all muscle, like oh my god, he like yeah. Anyway, um, those are my two observations. Well, stay here for a second. So let's let's test that out. You get the number one pick in the draft. The big three quarterbacks are all available. You would still be inclined to go Tyree Kill. I would certainly give it a thought. Fair enough. Okay. 
Yeah, I think I would put Ty, uh, Tua a little lower than you guys. Not not a drastic amount, but what we saw happen last night during the game was that uh, they turned into a run team. Mostert and A-Chain combined for about 30 runs, so it seemed like they changed the game plan without a Tyreek. So I think that's also part of the reason I would knock him down. But, uh, again, not a bad quarterback. We're just talking about a difference between a top-10 guy and maybe more of a backup. All right, so Tommy DeVito would be a good start for me this week. There's just there's more tangents there, and I I don't think we have time for it. So okay, I mean, I I, I was gonna say I wasn't sure if all of you all knew I had Tommy DeVito, the newest meme of the NFL, and I've had him for a couple weeks. So I'm with Lucas. That is a that is a lot of topic to talk about, but maybe next week when we got a little earlier start and not some AI stuff on the front end as well. I want to talk about Matt's team. My word, guys, I sent this to you, um, but this is incredible. Matt misses the playoffs with running backs 1-10 and 10 in the league, wide receivers 6, 11, and 15, and quarterback 10. On freaking real. And I think one of the things you talked about, Lucas, he had the misfortune, I think you said twice, of he was in a high score, second high score battle, and he lost them both. So that's obviously the difference. Um but I also think it, it goes to speak to the value of two things. One, the quarterback position, because Lamar is 10th. That's not good in a 10-person league. And the other is, and I, and I don't know how you handle this differently. We struggled with this all year long with this team, the Cooper Cup fiasco, because he wasn't playing all three of these guys because he was playing Cooper Cup at it, during that six-week stretch where he was abysmal. Yeah. Um and I alluded to this earlier, um, you know, how you had kind of a gripe uh, in terms of the fantasy football gods and, and your points. And Matt's the other guy. Um, like you said, we touched on this before uh, with his close losses. Um, I I don't I don't know why. This is just, again, one of those teams where you look at and you're like, how in the world did that happen? He just ran into so much bad luck this season. Um, I didn't dig deep into all the intricacies of it, but... You know, we talked last week too. Gosh, do you start? You even start Cooper Cup, right? You know, you know, for who they were playing and and all that. And oh my gosh, like yeah, he should have. Uh, but he was still high score of the week <laughs> with Cup on his bench with twenty three and a half points. So you're right. Like, where was that team all season for him? Um, it actually was there most of the season. He just had bad matchups. Benefit of hindsight, maybe you'd have moved off a of Cooper Cup a game or two earlier, but you have to ride the wave with Cooper Cup, right? There's just too much equity in the bank that when he comes back, you've got to give him a chance to prove it to you. Absolutely. Just a tough spot to be in. Um, and it's in here just real quick. Um, Matt had two separate three-game losing streaks. He actually started the year 0-3 and, and then ran off 7-4 and four and then uh, had another – but. Aside from those two three-game losing streaks was 7-1 and one the rest of the year, so it was a bit streaky. Um, so yeah, to me, I think the, the moral of the story is you, you have to quarterback, the quarterback and the Cooper Cup thing. I think that's what cost him the year. Anyway, ramble aside, it's gotta be CMC as the keeper next year, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of those players that you ride until he falls off the wagon and you don't try to predict when that year is going to be. Unless you're Steven, that goes terribly wrong year after year. Uh, that's true. I mean, this is, next year will be the fifth year I've been declaring Derek Henry's demise. I gotta be eventually. 
Right. Yep. Number five. So technically number four, right? No, technically number five. Okay, there was a nine and nine and eight and two sixes. Uh, Kelly? No. Steve. Steve. How dare you be incorrect? Hmm. Be incorrect or correct? <laughs> uh, was five, stays five, three on ESPN. So I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here. Um, because I just talked about Alex brought up the idea of getting the Dallas cornerback. I'm like, eh, it feels a little, little too risky for me, but I am in a position in my matchup, assuming that Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco of the Chiefs cannot play. Uh, I'm in running back. I'm in a rough spot running back wise. My three options are Javante Williams, who I know will get a lot of work and freaking found the end zone for the first time since 2021 because Sean Payton's a moron. Um, so I can play the guy at the volume and or some combination of Devon A-Chain and Keaton Mitchell, who get far less volume than him, but they look really good when they get their hands on the ball and can bust a play at any moment. It reminds me of my glory days with Jamal Charles. So if it is you, which of which two of those three are you starting if I, Isaiah Pacheco can't go this week? Does it have to be two, or do you got a wide receiver in that mix? Because that second one would be a flex play. It would be Dalton Kincaid, and I don't see myself starting Dalton Kincaid over any of these guys. Um. Yeah. I mean. Um. Oh my gosh. Who is the first guy you mentioned? Uh, Javante. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh. We've talked about your love affair with him before, but. I, I think he is probably the best safer play. Um, I don't know who Denver's playing. Detroit. Um, ooh. Probably still. Um, I would also probably say A-Chain because, I mean, Keaton Mitchell, he's just too new and raw yet. He might have the flashes, but he had that one or two good games, and I don't even think he had a good game last week, if I'm correct. Stat-wise, no, but average six yards a carry. Yeah, but, okay, great. But if they don't use him, then, you know, he doesn't rack up those points. So, and and Devon has much, much more upside uh, because he's shown it a couple of times already this season. Okay, so you're going A-Chain and uh, Javante. Alex? I guess I would say the same thing, but I'm not going to lie. I don't know enough about your team to really make a great decision. But you know more than I do, Steve. I'm not going to lie to you. Do it. Devontae. Go with your heart is his answer. Go with your heart. Start Zach Wilson. Pick him up and let this be his final goodbye and win you the Super Bowl. Maybe I should do that. You totally should. In fact, Kelly would encourage that this week. Uh, I don't know. Should I drop Tommy DeVito for him? Ah, mm, uh, that's a tough call. They're both similar in skill level. Yeah. Anyway, that's my input. Number four. 
Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Um, then it is Cam. I said Cam at the same time. I'm not sure you heard me. No. Lucas? Junior. Wow. You're finally Junior. showing he's fraudulent. I, I have to say, um, two through four, razor thin margin. Ah. Hey, you know what? Junior. It's hard to be a fraudulent team and make the playoffs, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm readjusting. I mean, I'm going to have to have the courage of my convictions playing them this week. So, um, anyway, so let's talk about uh, Junior's team real quick. And, oh, okay, if Gino can't go this week, because uh, he's supposed to be a two-week injury and last week was the first week he missed. If Gino can't go this week, your options are play Justin Fields on the road against what, uh, by our scoring metrics, is the hardest defense in the league. Or go to the waiver wire. What are you doing? You are losing to Steve. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> is, so, did you say anything? Geno Smith, is he just out? He's got to be. Injury, it's, yeah, questionable. Okay. Because I was going to say, maybe would stick with Geno Smith. Um, no, if you can go, he's the guy. But if he can't go, what are you doing? Well, uh, I think Russell Wilson is actually still out there, uh, uh, and he plays Detroit, and they're secondary this week. So uh, Jordan Love put up, like, 44 points on Detroit oh, over Thanksgiving. Absolutely, he should pick up Russell Wilson. I should actually pick up Russell Wilson. Well, I don't know, though. Don't forget that every year we say the same thing about this dude, that he should be a play, and then we put him in, and it's playoff time, and he just poops the bed. Well, he hasn't been special. He's been living between 24 and 28 points for the last seven weeks. Yeah, but it's the defense. It's Lions secondary. They're so bad. I love them, but they're not good. And did you see that, like, 60-yard pass he chucked? I think it was last week. It was a it was a really pretty throw. Yeah. Well, they've always liked his moon ball, and that's it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I just uh, – I could see it going wrong, but it's just hard to go against. I prefer to kind of – an object of motion tends to stay in motion, so I'm going to say he still lives in the 28-point the range. That's a little hard, too, because he just looks like look at all the – Number three. No, I could cue these up a lot better, Alex, if I could see you. <laughs> I don't know where you went. I've just been slowly getting lower in my chair, getting more and more comfy as the podcast has continued. <laughs> It's great just seeing all your dolls back there and hearing you, but not even seeing. They are not dolls; they are action figures, sir. (laughs) You've you've got Yoshi's up there. I'll I'll give you that. Thanks. Okay, number three. I'm gonna say Cam. Cam, yeah. No. Aw, then it's Kelly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, razor thin margin. I the, the top three just really tight together. But yeah, it is. Uh, Kelly was four up to three, five on ESPN. Uh, guys, I don't. I watch a lot less Lions stuff than you do. So help me out. Last two games total ASR total five catches, sixty yards. What? Right. 
That's that's a that's a good synopsis right there. What? Lions are not playing well right now. Um, I think Jared Goff actually came out and said something about Amon Ra getting a lot less catches. Did you either of you catch what he said? I just heard that, that he talked about it. No. I heard he said something, but I don't know. The Lions aren't playing too well right now. I still think they can come back, but I don't know. Jared Goff's been doing like way more checkdown passes and using Laporta more. So I don't know what maybe if Laporta's use is shutting down Amon Ra, but also last game they just did very bad. So. Yeah, well, and that said, um, she still was, what, second high score last week. Um, she is number two in total points scored all season, just a mere 18 points behind Bobby with that loaded lineup. And uh, to help explain her record and her push to the last week, she is number one in terms of points against scored. Um, so she has had a lot of points scored against her, but is one of the top teams in points scored. So I think she's a pretty good dark horse in the playoffs here. I don't think you get to be a dark horse when you're number three. I think you're a player. Well, in your rankings. Weeks ago, this would be a dark horse, but now no, she's absolutely a fantastic team. But like, you're right. If this was six weeks ago, I think a lot of us may have questioned, questioned what you're saying. So. All right. So to back to the starting point, ASR will be fine. This is just a little blip on the radar. Everyone has one of these games or a couple of these games a year. Oh, yeah, he's still a very talented player. I don't think it's really him that's the issue. So. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> Number two. Can... Nope. Cam. Cam. Uh, was three up to two, currently two on ESPN. Cameron. Um, guys, is Kenneth Walker's season over? Last five games, averaging 12 runs and two catches. Is he officially in this Pete Carroll running back quagmire? No, I don't think he's back from his injury yet. All right, so you think we'll see more of a return to 17, 18 runs and a handful of receptions once he kind of is fully up and running? Yeah, I don't know if that's this week um, or this season, right? Like, there's a lot of times they kind of hide nagging injuries and stuff like that, but um, I, I he's too good to be done already. What's the Seahawks record? Six and seven. I think they're six and seven. If they're six and seven and they're not playing him to his full potential, it has to be an injury issue. You put your best players out there. Kenneth Walker's been a high producer for them. And if they're only using him partially, it has to be something negative at this point, I would assume, because it's go time for them. So I would be weary if it happens again this week. I mean, maybe, but he's put up four yards of carry, guys. I just, so maybe I'm wrong, but like, I mean, that's, this is a full season of sample size to be working through. Four yards carries. Well, I guess four yards carry. What's that in the average, comparatively? I think most of your running backs you want to be in the low to mid fours. Low to so mid it's not terrible. But it's also not like, oh, this guy's great. He's just got to get more volume. So again, for reference, uh, the last game he played was against San Francisco defense. Nobody was doing good in that game. 
He was oh. injured the pre- injured the previous two weeks, and the week before that, he got injured during the game. He only had he only had eight carries. So, mm-hmm. and the last week he was healthy, he had 19 carries for 63 yards, and one catch for a 64 yard touchdown with 20 points. So, forgot about that catch. All right. Well, I'll tell you uh, the like you said, the timing of the injury could be helpful. Cam doesn't have to play this week, and then he'll have a nice problem to figure out with which of his running backs. Um, to start because there's even Raheem Mostert number two running back in the league right now. So lots of options there, but not anything he's got to solve this week. I don't know how 100% true it is, but I mean, if he is injured and he has a nagging injury and they don't want to re-injure him, it's a very interesting premise to make him more of a receiving role. So. True. I mean, he has more, what, I think that's the most reception slash catches he's had this past week? Uh, since week one. So that might be a bit of another key indicator, so. Yep. I don't know, though. Number one. Number one. That's going to be the one who's been number one. Bobby. I can't uh, top that. Was one stays one. Bobber. Uh, last four games, Jared Goff averaging 236 passing yards, seven touchdowns, and eight turnovers. What's that mean the rest of the year for the Lions, and what does it mean in the offseason for Jared Goff and the Lions? For the currents, it just means that people are starting to figure out the Lions' offense, which isn't great. And Jared Goff, and I, you know, this is only for me watching him. He gets in these, like, spurts where he gets a lot less brave with his throws, and he starts checking down a lot. But also, I think the big thing is, is, like, it's almost kind of like what you're seeing with the Rams, right? When they just had a baller, I think they had a pretty baller offensive line and they had Todd Gurley to kind of throw him off, right? So the defensive offensive line for the Lions when they're all healthy is dope. But if you miss, miss like one piece of that, they all of a sudden shoot down a couple levels on the offensive line scale. And you can tell because like the person that gets replaced, like I think this week it was Glasgow. It's just, it's not as good. I think Glasgow even had to trip a guy to stop Goff from getting sacked. And when Goff is pressured, that's just what he does. He just checks down. I don't know. I don't know. That's just from what I've seen. But you get that offensive line healthy. I think that's what I think the biggest key for him moving forward. Alex, you brought this point up. I forget when, um, but it was a really good point. You were talking about some of the struggles, like J. Dot Patrick Mahomes aren't having maybe statistically the greatest years, and you said, "Well, wow, look what happens. You've got to pay quarterbacks fifty million dollars a year." Mm-hmm. So Jared Goff is by QB standards on a fairly friendly deal. The, think the deal is done this year. Like you've got you put your GM hat on. Is it like is it Hendon Hooker time? Is it start to look at somebody else time? Are you going to have to do one of these? Uh, Danny Dimes deals where it's like a $40 million a year position for a Jared Goff. Like what, or do you sell all, sell all capital to move up in the draft? What are you doing? It is so hard to make that decision because Jared Goff is an experienced quarterback and he knows what to do in that situation. And if you have an offensive line that isn't functioning, putting someone new back there isn't going to make it better. It's only going to make it worse. However, if you give him all of that money, it is going to affect your team. I think it's going to affect the Detroit Lions in a bad way moving forward. I would very much like him to stay on the team, but if he's one of those guys that wants like a top five QB contract, I don't think that that should happen. 
I, I, I really think I would rather them move on to Hendon Hooker and try to fill in defensive spots so that our defense in any way can catch up to our offense and then try to fight it that way. Because, I mean, we're even learning this way. If we have a glass cannon offense, we're still not a championship team. Who knows? They could win the Super Bowl this year. They still could. And I'm, I, you know, I'm hoping for it. I love them. They're great, and they're all working hard. But, like, you can't be a Super Bowl team and then, like, go out and lose to the Bears. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The Giants just Yeah. I mean, these were two, like, division games. They were big games. And, like, to get – be a championship game team, you have to win the big ones. And their defense just isn't doing that. And now when their offense does it, it's game over. So, anyway, yeah. I think it's crazy. You're going to have to pay ASR this offseason. You're going to have to pay uh, Hutchinson next year, assuming he's still a thing. So, yeah, money goes away quickly. Anything to add, Lucas? No, that was really brilliant. I, I guess the only thing I'd add is if the Lions do win the Super Bowl this year, yeah, you you pay the man his money because uh, he would have been part of getting us there, and then you just deal with the consequences later because who the hell cares? We freaking won a Super Bowl. I'm on that front so bad. If we win a Super Bowl, I do not care. I don't care what they do. The Rams trading for Stafford to win that Super Bowl, and then they fell down. Who cares? They won a Super Bowl, one of the best trades they could have possibly ever made. I'm sure it's affecting them now. They got the win. If Jared Goff goes and he shows up and he gets a Super Bowl win, even gets to the Super Bowl, I'm like, whatever, give him the money. Yep. There you go. that's That's a good asterisk to put on there, Lucas. Prove it and earn it. You're behind a championship offense, at least. Get them there. All right, so let's go ahead and put a bow on this bad boy here. Let's do our matchups of the week. Yeah, even got it in the Jenkins with three Kelly versus five Steve. Okay, so I got to adjust all that. All right, so I guess three Kelly versus. All right, what should be the Jacob of the week? Three versus six or four versus five? Four versus yes. five. Four versus five. All three, right. Three versus six. Okay. Uh, three, Kelly versus six, Alex. Wrong, Alex? wrong again. The three-six matchup is you and Junior. No, Jenkins. Oh. I'm really confused. It's late. Yeah, Lucas, pay attention. Oh, I'm sorry. Who is this again? Uh, Jenkins. Three, Kelly versus six, Alex. Who do you have? Sorry, Alex, but I'm taking Kelly. Nepotism. <laughs> Alex, are you taking you? I'm taking me, baby. Alex, I've always had the dream of you and I playing for the title, and then it happened one year, and you won the title, and I don't want that dream anymore. So <laughs> I'm going with Kelly. Uh, four, Steve versus five, Junior. Lucas, where are you going? Steve. It'd be a lot better with Tank Dell, but uh, I'm going to go with me as well. Alex. Junior. Fuck off. Steve, I believe in you. It's just the defense thing, you know. I'm going for the defense with championships this year. You know what I mean? All right. Consolation bracket, seven, Matt versus ten, Carly. I'm sorry, six, Matt versus ten, Carly. I'm going to call it Carly wins the consolation bracket and wins today. Okay. Uh, are you in a similar boat, Lucas? Uh, no, because I can't agree with Alex today. I'll go with Matt. Okay, yeah. 
I think Matt has shown his five, how good he is. So I just that's a hard time seeing Matt not winning that bracket. All right, last one: eight senior versus nine. Derek Lucas, who do you have? Who cares? But if oh. you did care a wee bit, if I did care a wee bit, it looks like I'm projected to beat him by forty. So I'll I'll go with me. That's true. You have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know what he's going to do a quarterback. And Alex Senior versus Derek. Alex Senior. <laughs> <laughs> he's my dad. <laughs> he's going to win. Uh, he's in such a good spirit. I'm looking forward to doing this at the, as we end the show here. Uh, Alex. Yeah. What is the AI visual that you would want to use incorporating Gracie? How did you know I was going to do that? All right. So I want to see Gracie riding atop the dragon from Never Ending Story while trying to eat a candle. So anyway, while that loads, how did, yeah, I was going to, you were going to say goodbye, Gracie, and I was going to say, bring up the AI. I called them audible last minute. We we hadn't quite made it to midnight yet, so I wanted to kind of roll the dice for just another minute and see what happens. Uh, that's fair. Another minute or another 29 minutes? That's oh, that's even better. Okay. <laughs> 29. Uh, oh. Um, well, the AI is a little tired here too. So, you have any recommendations, Steve? Oh, wait, um, here we go. Oh hell yeah! Wow, why does why does the dragon have a baby dragon as another head? Yeah, it's got two heads. This one's well, no, that's got two heads as well. Is, is Gracie a baby from Bible times? Is that who Gracie is? Did I figure it out? That's what Chat GP AI thinks. Although she's not trying to eat the candle. There are just candles in the picture. Is that your official goodnight, Gracie? I don't want to see Gracie be the candle. <laughs>